You're listening to the Tech Nest Podcast. You'll hear from PropTech founders, investors, and industry veterans on how they're using tech to change the way we buy, sell, and invest in real estate. This isn't just another podcast about making money in real estate. This is about how we live. In each episode, you'll hear about the market opportunities and trends driving the industry forward. TechNest is proudly produced by Finn Ledger in partnership with HW Media. And now your host, Nate Smoyer. All right, we're back. Convergence, I think that's the word. That's going to be the word of this episode because we're talking all things short-term rentals, vacation rentals, leisure rentals. We're talking the hospitality industry here. And I've got two CEOs, Emmanuel Levois and Vince Breslin. Uh, Emmanuel is from Jetstream, jetstreamtech.io, and Vince is from Uplisting, uplisting uplisting.io. Both are working in this industry, but from slightly different angles. You know, uh, Vince's company is really a self-serve platform for those who are managing properties and building a vacation rental business. Whereas Emmanuel's company, Jetstream, is coming in and they're actually providing services on top of a technology platform that they built themselves. So for instance, the example he gives is a cleaner can then bolt on Jetstream and now they are a full-on property management service. We get into a lot of things about the trends that came out of COVID, where the industry is headed next, best asset types, and more. Jump into this one. It's an hour of goodness, I promise. It'll be very entertaining, but also very informational. Let's do this. All right, welcome back, TechNest Podcast. I have a special episode. We have two guests, Vince and Emmanuel. Hey guys, how's it going? Hi, Nate. Hi, Nate. All right, and so this is a good episode because we have two different companies and two founders on the show, and uh, I think we're gonna have a really good conversation. As always, we kick off with intros. I'll send it over to Vince, and then Emmanuel, please go ahead, introduce yourself, let everyone know who you are and what you do. Yeah, thanks, Ned. So I'm Vince from, and I'm the founder of, or one of the founders of Uplisting. Uplisting is a self-serve property and channel manager for short-term rental property managers. Uh, we're a partner with Airbnb, Booking.com, Verbo, and Google. Uh, so Uplisting helps property management companies list across multiple channels to increase their revenues and put their business in autopilot as much as possible with uh, features such as automated guest messaging, cleaning scheduling, e-sign rental agreements, um, a lot of operational stuff as well. Great. Thanks, Vince. I'm Emmanuel, and I'm the CEO of Jetstream Hospitality Solutions. I'm based in Vancouver, Canada. Previous career was in engineering, building engineering, 10 years. Didn't like that too much, so I left. And now I'm part of this wonderful journey. Uh, I like the way, Vince, you said self-serve property management system. (laughs) Because we, Jetstream, I mean, we have a bit of a different of how we got to where we are, but we started off helping resorts and hotels, usually multi-unit where you have a room type but multiple units behind, like a two-bedroom condo where there's 50 of them in the building, we help them get to VRBO and Airbnb. That's kind of how we got our start in this whole affair. We're one of the first partners with Airbnb in that particular type of room type of inventory. Uh, And now we sit squarely in going directly to asset owners and helping them manage not everything, but a big part, all of reservation support, distribution, marketing, and sales. So we're we're not a self-serve property management system we're a full service property management system we're the tech and the humans on top 
that you buy as an outsourced solution if you're an asset owner. Yeah, I appreciate that. So I also wanted to call attention to something real quick. It's a, it's a little detail. We all have a .io. Did you notice that? Technest.io. Yeah, I did notice that. Uplisting.io <laughs> and jetstreamtech.io. Um, maybe off the wall question. Okay, I know why I went with a .io. Did you have any reservations of going with a .not or a, a .not.com? At the time, no. I remember. I remember we decided on the uplisting name, and this was five years ago or so. Uh, very much it was like an idea at that point. It wasn't anything. Um, and I remember looking at the .com for for that brand for that name, and it was, I think maybe like four thousand dollars. We're like, we just don't have. We can't afford that. Um, now I would pay that <laughs> <laughs> like any any second. Like I said, immediately. Um, but no, res no no reservations at the time. Um, it, it's kind of worked okay for us as well. I, but I definitely would prefer .com. Yeah, it's definitely same. I think it ages us a little bit now. I think we were probably all the same era. I don't know. I can't speak to you, Nate, but definitely we're 2018 when we we found uh, the URL. And of course, we would have loved Jetstream.com, but of course that was taken. Uh, and so I think Jetstream Tech, we we looked at a few, but at the time, .io was kind of cool. It was tech and we wanted to be cool. Well, we are cool. We didn't want to be cool. We are cool. So we went for it. Yeah, you actually nailed it. Uh, 2018 was when I started yeah. uh, TechNest. So maybe it was just, it's like a, a mark of that year or, or, or two within that time period. It I, never even, I genuinely never even thought of that. It just yeah. happened to kind of uh, see that here when I was prepping for the show. So there's a lot of uh, different directions we can go with this. And um, I really want to open it up. You guys are the experts on really the the rental market here, specifically you know vacation or short term rental market, and so I'm going to just start with as broad as possible. What the heck is going on in short term rentals, and where does the industry go from here? That's a broad question. <laughs> I think we all know there's a lot of activity going on in the short term sector. A lot of movie, movie, uh, not movie, money moving into the space on the investment side. Um, I, I think there's an awakening on the real estate side. I mean, we Jetstream really come from the hospitality side. So hospitality has been doing short-term rentals, I guess, forever. Just didn't call it necessarily short-term rentals. We call it going on holiday. Uh, but I think the real estate side now is, is awakening to the, to the higher yields available uh, for their asset if they can do short-term. But that's also bumping up, in my opinion, and, and uh, against an increasing legislative, I guess, regulatory body that's pushing back, especially in urban areas. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Vince, what are, what are you, uh, what's your take if, you know, you're sitting at the uh, 4th of July this year with the, well, I yeah, I mean, or any other holiday, you know, at the table yeah, yeah, and yeah. someone says, what's the industry like? How are you answering that? Yeah, I mean, industry's booming from what we're seeing. Um, there's, as, as Emmanuel mentioned, a lot of uh, kind of more professional real estate type, um, types entering into the market uh it's causing a lot more properties to be added but the growth in guests is is um outpacing that even um the 
Uh, but I think COVID and what happened during COVID shifted a lot of people over. Short-term rental has really professionalized the industry um, and it's kind of just going up market now. So I think we, I, I imagine Manuel would agree with me that we are still looking at the, at the market as, as young, even though it has been around for a long time, quite a while. Um, mm-hmm. There's still a lot, a lot, uh, a lot to come, a lot more professionalization of uh, property managers, um, the properties, the experiences, the more hotel-like kind of um, services and everything on top. There's a lot of room to grow in the market, um, and, the, and the market is 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 booming. It definitely is. Vince, you use the word like professionalizing, you know, or you know, more professionalism coming in. Mm-hmm. Can you break that down a little bit? You know, what really makes a difference between a you know someone who's a professional or managing a professional manner short-term rentals? Like, I suppose the antithesis here. Maybe we're making up the terms as we go, mm-hmm. as because this is still, as you mentioned so early, you, know, you have mom and pop maybe. Yeah. I, right, I said before the show, I've got an ADU in my backyard, and I rent that out, and I just kind of do it on the fly versus what would a professional experience be like? Yeah, well, the obviously there's some mom and pops that do it really well, and that was the beginning of Airbnb, right? It was you know rent your, your spare room or um, a granny flat or, or whatever it is. Um, but as, as guests are... Um, you know their expectations are increasing um, so a, a pro- I think the prof- professionalization of the industry is um, these companies like maybe Wander for example but there's lots of smaller versions of those like niche um, companies that are focusing a lot on the experience it's about having a you know great furniture in your property it's about having comfortable mm-hmm. beds good bedding um, it's about like the amenities that you you need to provide for uh, for a family or as a for millennials going away whatever it is um, it's not just enough to rent out your your second property with 20 year old furniture or a 10 year old bed and the you know mattress in the, in the room it's just not enough anymore people are expecting more and uh, in order to um, stand out amongst the enormous inventory uh, you need to be doing better basically and then on top of that you know these these companies are looking to not rely so heavily on Airbnb and Verbo and the rest and they're, they're building their own brands outside of that um, on top of Airbnb but also significantly outside of that um, so that kind of uh, approach to the short-term rental business is what I would call professionaling, professionalizing it. Yeah, I mean, Manuel, this is what this is what the hotel industry, yeah, did before we called it that, and now they're kind of merging in with the second home, vacation home market. Yeah, so the hotel industry has been call it professionalized, or was professional, or is professional, almost corporate professional, quote unquote. And then you had the rise of the eclectic short-term rental, whether that's somebody's teepee in their backyard or just a nice apartment in Nashville where there's nicer furniture and nice, it's just, it's more, it's more homey and it's, it's more artsy and just feels better. So now it's, it's the, the, the short-term side is taking all the elements of the professional side, uh, including dynamic pricing. We used to be, people didn't even know what that meant on the short-term side, you know, yielding rates and, and pricing based on seasonality and supply and demand. There's all these fancy software tools on the hotel side that have been doing this for 20, 30 years, just like airlines, and that's now porting over and technology onto the short-term side. So professionalization is a, is a lot of things, but it's really heavily borrowing from the hotel side, but to create, I think, a better product on the short-term side. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I think, you know, I think about this, there, there's actually a hotel, and if I can remember and find it, I'll have to tell you, but, you know, I do a lot of road tripping and uh driving through montana specifically because of 
previously living in Chicago and having a lot of family in Washington State. And we pulled over. I got tired of driving and stayed at this one hotel. It looked like somewhat like a lodge kind of thing. I checked in like a hotel. And then on a separate trip, we decided to book in advance and I used Airbnb and I booked at the exact same hotel, except I checked in not as a hotel guest, but as an Airbnb guest in the same hotel. And this was, this was pre COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a moment I just realized I, I, I just, you know, in the middle of Montana, I was like, there's something going on. Is is that going to continue? Are these worlds going to continue just to merge where they're indistinguishable? Or is it really everything's going to go to the homes? Or are we just going to go right back to hotels? Great question. I, I That, we're, Jetstream is a big <laughs> culprit, if it's the word, of bringing hotels to Airbnb and Verbo. That's what we built our business on originally. Uh, yeah, there is a big convergence. So the word convergence is used a lot in the industry right now. Convergence of the traditional hotel world in the short-term world. And I would argue that a lot of the siloing that existed is actually industry silos. I don't think the guest silos inventory in the same way uh, at all. Guests, sometimes you go to Chicago and you're looking for something in, in, a, in a certain way, but you don't think, oh, this time I really need pure hotel inventory and I'm going to go look on pure hotel channels. So the, the, the mm. channels are just starting to blend inventory and then you search it as you want based on the trip you are. So I think it's really converging and it's being led by the guest and the channels merging all of this together. Yeah, and it's really interesting to watch like, you know, motels convert into short term rentals. Um, they might go a bit more up market um, and cut out the breakfast or whatever you typically get with a you know a bnb anecdotally my, my so my parents have a guest house in, in donegal in ireland where i'm from um and they built this in 2005 got like 16 rooms um and they're getting a bit older and they they were looking to i don't know trying to fix that during covid there was, it was all locked down and everything else so my brother my brothers and i converted in, into short-term rentals but like a, a you know a massive kind of 16 bed property short-term wow. rental um and it's kind of it, which is really interesting and we're doing all, using price labs really kind of upping the game on it uh, but the the benefit for them is that they get these uh you know maybe a three four night booking over a weekend um that pays the same they have the same revenue as they would have been open five days a week there's no money wasted on making breakfast in the morning it's all self-serve um you know self-check-in all of this wow. kind of stuff which is kind of an interesting um transfer over from at least what my parents would be expecting and what they built that business for yeah yeah and, and you kind of alluded right so the it, it, the initial hit of of the pandemic certainly initially brought the vacation market to a screeching halt and i know i talked to some owners of properties and there was a little bit of panic where, where are we going to go what's going to happen and then suddenly there was an explosion of demand it was like wait a minute we can get yeah. about Maybe we can travel by car. You know, everyone bought an RV, which has been great for the self-storage industry. Mm-hmm. You know, we need a place to put their RV in the winter, right? So that, of course, changed some patterns. I'm curious if there was any aha moments that you guys took away from the last two years of, okay, so this is the new path and here's where we need to go. Almost like the, you know, you know the, the whole adage of skate to where the puck is going. You know, what were some of those aha moments you, you've, you've taken away from the last two years of where this industry's headed? Hmm. 
good question. I think when when it first hit and we we had like a we, we were terrified as well. We're like, oh, what's happening here? For the first three months, we kind of gave a lot of our members, anybody who was struggling, we gave them um, just free accounts basically because we were like, okay, hopefully this doesn't last too long. We'll we'll see how we get on. We're very lean teams, so it wasn't like uh, massively damaging to our our future at that time. Um, but it, it it very quickly reopened, especially in the U.S. So U.S. was three months four months and then back up again so i think what was it march by october of that year we were we had we, we were seeing growth like we'd never seen growth before it was phenomenal um, and a lot of that growth was coming from non-urban markets so typically we would have been much more urban focused than as airbnb was but as as a uh, more vacation rentals and remote working and all that um rem- you know that came into play uh we saw at least a lot more of the vacation rental um market come into play in our in our platform um so we kind of built a few features that maybe help with that like um uh checkout uh, was the word like uh, close for checkout close for check-in some of these little little features that people um, were looking for in that market that we hadn't necessarily been focused on before yeah we we got super lucky uh, with covid because we had actually sold this business to an american entity pre-covid in 2018 and at the very, very onset of COVID, it was very damaging for companies in the travel industry, as we know. We went from a normal 10% cancel rate to about 98% in the span of two weeks. So they buckled hard and almost went bankrupt. So they terminated our entire team. Everybody lost their jobs in our team. There's 36 of us. I lost my job because I was then an employee because we'd sold the business and we actually bought the business back from them. We seized that very early panic Nice. You know, it's the end of the world as we know it moment. We got the business back and it allowed us to rehire out of 36, maybe 10, 12, which was the all-star team, mm-hmm. which is a good cleanse in a business. I'll tell you every two, three years, if, if it's really, really powerful. And then, uh, yeah, as Vince said, the U.S. didn't take long, especially the South U.S. And we were back in business with a bit of wage subsidy from the Canadian government. Uh, in terms of your question, we were, we were sort of lucky and unlucky in a way. We were mainly and still are mainly in leisure destinations, even though our tech works in urban, so far it's just been leisure customers we mainly have. Uh, so that was good, but we were mainly on the condo hotel side of things. So multi-unit buildings, and those didn't do great for the majority of the pandemic because shared lobby, shared elevators, especially in the first part of the pandemic uh, versus our parent, ex-parent company, they did survive by the way, COVID, and uh, they mainly had whole home inventory. So what we traditionally in the industry call vacation rentals, and I kind of think of STR short-term rentals as more apartments, but STR can be VR too. So it kind of gets blurry, mm-hmm. but just for your listeners, vacation rentals versus short-term rentals. So they were in the vacation rental side and they were instantly just going full throttle in bookings. So I guess we were at the right spot leisure wise, but we weren't necessarily in the right inventory. So it's definitely, kind of broaden our horizons that we don't just want condo hotels now because our tech was really geared for it initially. We want increasing number of vacation rentals because those will continue to do well. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. And you kind of mentioned like a difference of inventories and that was something that, you know, as many of us have sought out either more space, you know, a little bit more open and condos certainly didn't seem to give that, uh, you know, we, we actually put all of our stuff in storage uh, and moved out when my lease ended for three months and went and lived with my in-laws <laughs> back in, in Washington because the, their rec room was bigger than our apartment condo in, in downtown Chicago. Um, I'm curious, though, like if, any emerging trends of the different assets that are really showing 
uh, a lot of promise as like this is gonna, you know, is it is it gonna all single family homes? Are those gonna be the best rentals? Is it gonna be the some of the conversion projects a lot of investors have been doing with old motels and turning them into this like nostalgic, cool oasis? What's mm-hmm. what's the asset type that really is taking off and has a long runway ahead of it? My perspective, at least, I think a property with um, something unique about it. So you know, we're, we're lucky to buy our first. Um, I'm, I'm sitting here or for years working in the short-term rental space, and I'm like, well, I need to buy a property in this space because this is what am I doing? I'm learning about it all day long. Is that what am I doing? Um, so we're looking to buy a place in Long Island, and um, my key. Like uh, maybe not quite the Hamptons, but up north, north fort probably. And uh, the key requirements for me are either a pool or it's by the beach, uh, and it's got at least four bedrooms. So those, the, uh, in terms of like a you know individual property mm-hmm. investor looking for something that's going to um, do well, I think those are my those are exactly what I'm looking for at least. Um, but I think these those motel conversions are really interesting. I've been to a few in like in Montauk uh, over the past couple of years, um, and they are. You know, they're 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 really well done. They're the experience is great. They got a pool. They got a really cool bar. Um, I think those the, from from at least from a vacation um, perspective, uh, those those do really. I, I think they will do really well. Yeah, I totally agree. It's the uniqueness that makes something special. I don't I don't think we can pinpoint one specific category because that also varies. Uh, an urban core will have a different type of even just real estate available to book. So while I might say yeah, whole home inventory books great. Well, it does. Yeah. It, works great in North Carolina, but not necessarily in downtown LA because there is no such inventory to book. So it's the uniqueness, it's the cool factor uh, that's gonna, that makes that makes for great reviews and repeat guests and the ability to direct book afterwards for marketing, marketing for direct bookings and so on. Yeah, yeah. and an interesting, I think an interesting, interesting point is like something a hotel does really well, like Ace Hotel or um, the W. They have, you know, people pay over the odds to stay there because of the experience. Um, so some of these, you know, downtown condo type buildings. Uh, if they can crack that nut where they can provide an experience on top of the Airbnb, um, that'd be really inter- interesting. I don't think anybody, I haven't seen anybody do that yet, at least. I agree. It's the nut to crack. The mm. thing that the, the, that the short-term rental condo building can't replace is the nice bar in the lobby and a really nice bar. Mm. And, and sometimes I book hotels because I just want that social vibe on the main floor. Mm-hmm. So once that can be cracked, that's there's something there. Mm. Okay, so what we do is we buy... You know, uh, old, in, in small towns, you take like the the rural getaway, and you've got a few little homes, and yeah. then you build a bar in the center yeah. of the town, and then now you've got it's a good vacation destination, and you've got you've got the bar solved for, and yes, a pool, a pool behind the bar, a pool bar, beautiful, <laughs> and a hot yeah. tub. Yeah, I, I stayed in this place in uh, Clarksdale, Mississippi. Whereas like the home of the blues, but I went to my honeymoon or my honeymoon with my wife, and this is one time we stayed in, and whoever built this thing, it was the most amazing experience. It was all like tin shack type things. They had a barn converted into the night, like like a bar with music, and everybody was enjoying that experience. It was amazing. So lots of opportunity for those kind of vibes. Yeah, but you know yeah. to build to build on this topic real quick. One thing we are seeing a rise of, and this is no surprise to anybody, it's the rise of the midterm rentals. You know, the way we've all shifted to not all, but hundreds of millions of humans are now working from home that weren't before, which means we're now more mobile of where we can travel. This rise of I'm going to go and work somewhere Costa Rica for a month this winter, which I'm going to do. And I did Mexico last year. That brings the rise of this one to three, four month stay. And we have some partners where they used to shut down in the winter. We have partner in Cape Cod. 
mm. and now we're getting her one month or two month stays in the winter, that crosses different asset types, mm -hmm. but it's a rise of consumer behavior yeah. that wasn't there at that scale before. I'm seeing like the seasonality becomes less of a, I don't know, I don't have no stats on this, but you know, from my experience going to somewhere like Montauk or East Hampton or something, um, which would very much be a summer destination. Um, like they were, the, the season was going on well past summer, um, at least the past few years. So, you know, with those one month stays like in Cape Cod, that's something that probably would never have been heard of a, a few years ago. Exactly. Emmanuel, can you talk more about what you guys are doing to help those owners in, you know, areas? So like, for instance, I'm in the Black Hills, winter in South Dakota gets cold in literally Keystone, which survives off of, you know, traffic to uh, Mount Rushmore, like the whole town closes, yep. you know, everything closes. Then there's some vacation rentals into the hills, then they go into like this, I I've seen them, they'll just rent by the month instead of you know, renting out by, you know, two or three day night stays. So like, what are you guys doing that's helping property owners figure out how to manage that off season? Yeah. So there is a, in the unprofessional world, so the mom and pop, there's oftentimes, and I'm talking small mom and pop, because again, as Vince said, there's some great mom and pops out there that know exactly what's yeah, going I mean, on. But that's yeah. my day to in the backyard. We'll keep using yeah. that one. Again. I don't so let's use one. I have a shed, but it's, you know, that's we'll, right. We'll pretend today. So th there's an incredible amount of owners of ADUs in the backyard who just don't have the sophistication or knowledge about revenue management. S simple. Uh, for example, they'll say two weeks stay is five grand and then a month stay is still five. So it's 10 grand and a three month stay <laughs> is 30 grand. And, and I see this all the time. And proper revenue management is obviously you're discounting your length of stay for all the right reasons of basic economics and not as much cleaning and, and so on and so forth. So just that, it so sounds mm. so simple what I'm saying, but I've looked at places in Hawaii where renting it for three months is like 250 grand because it's literally all, the weekly rate multiplied by 12 uh, for three months. So that's not, you'll never get a booking that way. So, so proper month long or two month or three month discounting and then setting that correctly on the channels, not actually, not even all channels support this. Airbnb is the best big channel that we know all know of that's, that supports well multi-month stays. Uh, Booking.com doesn't support that well at all. So it's having the, the technology and the expertise to manage this at scale to get the longer stay bookings. We do have partnerships with smaller, smaller channels, Altovida at the UK, uh, Sojourn API, that it's kind of the corporate booking it's a different class, but you don't get big volumes out of those channels. You'll get some. And then if you live somewhere, so oftentimes the owner will have a relationship with the local snowmobile club or, or whatever, and they'll get some of those direct types of bookings, which we don't necessarily have those relationships. We'll take them on board and we'll help nurture them. But we, we, we don't yet, anyways, go actively seek those kind of local partnerships. Us, it's just proper revenue management and proper distribution. Yeah. I want to um, continue moving through here a little bit and actually get into a little bit more specifically uh, about each of your respective companies. I know we've kind of set the stage for some of the uh, convergence, if you will. You mentioned it in the, you know, in the industry here. Um, and so I'll, Vince, I'll, I'll kind of I'll, I'll point to you a little bit here. You know, um, you gave a little bit of spiel up front about how you guys are uh, working here. But of the problems that you know, you're solving, what is the single most difficult problem that you're working on right now that's helping your customers? Huh, there's like one thing, there's a few things we focus on, I guess. Um, so 
number one is reliability, right? So there's, there's a lot of software in the market, um, a lot of great software. Um, there's a lot of terrible, terrible software uh, where um, it kind of brings down the market. Like people are people are having issues. There's like not syncing. Um, there's there's all of these problems happen like all the time. We half of our members come from other software that's failed them in some way. Um, so we we really double down on reliability and everything that we build on top of that uh, is built on top of that foundation, which is uh, is core, you know, critical to what we what we do. Um, so that's things like you know syncing properly with Airbnb and Booking.com and Verbal and Google. Um, it's uh, ensuring messages messages are sent correctly, and you know all that kind of stuff is, uh, I think, for us at least internally, the biggest challenge. Um, but it's something that we uh, have to focus on. Um, what else? We're kind of uh, we've kind of grown with our with our market, I guess. It's kind of we've um, you know we've had members starting up listing with seven properties in back in twenty nineteen that have grown to over two hundred. So we kind of we're going through these stages with a lot of our members where we're we're constantly coming up with um, their their new challenges as they, as they hit each stage of their business. Um, so that, and that's where that's where we want to be. We want to be growing um, and solving those problems of a growing property manager. Um, so some of the ones that we're working on currently are um, like so we we have property managers who manage properties on behalf of owners, property owners. So things like owner statements, um, real struggle. Um, nobody's really solved this in, the, in our industry, at least, or in our in our space. So we're working on, um, you know, really solid owner statements. So that takes away I'll, uh, days of work, actually, for, for members at the end of the month to um, do the invoices and everything else. So that's something that we're working on. Um, and then the other members uh, have, are part of a syndicate. So they have investors and they need to do investor reports. And um, so also investor reports, which is kind of similar to the owner statements um, to uh, just streamline that kind of that operation that they have. And these are things that we wouldn't necessarily have had a problem with two years ago or, you know, our members wouldn't have, but um, they're very much front and center now. I love it. And that obviously shows evolution of the industry because, it, you know, just a few years ago, everything that was on the market was all about, you know, just syncing bookings between VRBO and, and Airbnb or it was about like a smart lock. But this is really, as you talk about, yeah. really the path to professionalization of totally, owners yeah. and operations. Yeah, the operations is a big one. So one thing that we do, we worked hard on was the pre-arrival automation. So things like automated messaging, first of all. So thanks for booking. Here's your checking instructions um, through to collecting a security deposit, signing a rental agreement. And we also do guest verification, like an ID verification. Um, so all that whole process for the most part is automated on uplisting. So you can just, you just enable it and it, you know, we send the messages or you can configure your own messages and you can do automated follow-up. So if somebody hasn't signed the rental agreement, you can follow up every so often, whatever it is, based on whatever conditions and rules you want to put in place. Um, so yeah, the operational side of pre-arrival is something we've worked heavily on. Um, and now we're kind of looking at that, the back end um, and helping to, you know, you get more clients on board and, and grow your business. Yeah. Emmanuel, I want to throw the same question at you uh, for for Jetstream. You know the things that you're working on, of all the problems you're solving right now. What's what's one of the most challenging problems that you're working to solve? Well, we're technologically we're building something very similar to Vince, uh, but we don't sell it to users as a software. We use our own software and then we sell the solution. And usually, well, not usually, most all the time we sell usually sell the sell the solution to new entrants into the space because the, the, the experienced property manager doesn't need uh, Jetstream. They need Vince's software because they know what to do with the software and how to operate it. But on our end, we take literally real estate developers, real estate agents who want to become short-term rental managers, and they just outsource the whole thing to us. So 
it's it's the challenges we're solving are, are the tech, but it's also the service layer on top, um, which on our end, what's always the hard service layer, which is for everybody, not just us, is the reservation support and the guest comms. So we're open 24 seven, we have teams around the world. And, you know, that's not an easy thing to do. No matter how much automation we put in, it's the exceptions we deal with. It's the unhappy guests for whatever reason, either our partner's fault, technology's fault, uh, whatever the reason, there's an unhappy guest. So we have to uh, deal with that. So I'd say that's one of the big challenges. The rest is back-end technology, but I echo Vince's comment, there's a lot of bad technology out there and it, we don't understand why. I think Vince and us and myself are very kindred spirits of quality in technology. And it's kind of head-scratching sometimes to understand why there's so many connectivity issues in this space. You know what, from, from my experience, I think it's like property manager get to 20, 30, 40, 50 properties is actually not not that difficult to get to that point. You start off with one, your friend gives you one and then you grow quite nicely. Um, but, uh, and then you have this software that you can like, cobble together or using something in the market and you're like, you have your unique needs. You're like, oh, I'm gonna build some of my own services inside. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, we could, we could probably sell this software. This software is lucrative. And then they release the software and it just software does not work at scale if it hasn't been built reliably for scale. I think that that's where a lot of the problems mm -hmm. come from. Um, some some of them have done it really well. Like some property managers have converted into software and yeah. done it really well. But um, I think because you know there's, there's literally hundreds out there, uh, and and that's I think that's a reason why. Yeah, they're not so good. Yeah, so, uh, the, and and I mean this is one of the things that I think that prop tech as an industry has been challenged with is being able to attract the talent into the industry uh, to build better products in the last few years. Fortunately, I think if you want to say an upside, I really don't like to say the upside of COVID because you know COVID has been a pretty miserable thing when you really think about it for humanity. But the the reality is it has shed some interesting light on real estate tech and the prop tech industry and has shown how important it is that we consider how we live and how we want to live and the providers who are really coming through with the right solutions. As you guys are building... This is a problem that no one's been able to escape in our industry is hiring and recruiting. What have you been doing to bring in knowledgeable and talented individuals to be able to, to build out these product solutions? Yeah, culture. So uh, our industry is not floating in cash margin wise, like potentially some other industries. Um, and and just our, we're self-funded Jetstream as a company. We have no outside investment at this point. So we are not you know, swimming in, in VC capital to do whatever we want. But what we do have is an unbelievable culture. It really is true. Check out our Glassdoor reviews. It's the best I've ever seen. So there's a lot of software developers out there that not every software developer will go for the top dollar at Amazon or Microsoft. That's, that's just like there's all flavors of humans and all flavors of tastes. There's also all flavors of desires from software developers. So we tend to go for really senior software devs on the tech side. And we offer them a wonderful work environment, work from home, flexibility, you know, as long as you get your work done and just, and just not micromanagement. And, and also what's different is we're not just a pure tech shop. They actually get to work with the agents that are representing the software online 24 seven. They're on Slack and they release a new thing and the whole content team or onboarding team is like, you know, yay, hands up, this is awesome. We're so happy. So they get that feedback. So, and then we only hire really good guys and we pay appropriately for that and women. 
We are a little bit different. Uh, sa- same in the fact that we were self-funded up until very recently. We just raised some money, but um, from our own members, which was which was great. Uh, but uh, we, I, I don't know what size you, you mentioned. You're around twelve back last year, Emmanuel. Have we're you... thirty-six now. Wow. Okay. So we're still around twelve. <laughs> we we're much smaller. We haven't had the, that that growing pen. Um, to a degree you kind of kept things very lean um we're software developers by background so software develop and from that perspective we have lots of friends that we've hired basically that we know do do work that we've worked with them in the past or friends of their friends or whatever it is so we haven't had any issues with the software developers um we are we don't actually have any employees either we're all i'm not an employee of the company we all have our own separate um, entities and we pay higher premiums basically to pay for a contract um on a contract uh, which is one reason being that we're entirely remote we've we've always been remote we've never had an office um we've got met, our team are all over the world um so we kind of focus on that paying above the odds a little bit for for that flexibility um just for our simplicity because we're a small team we don't be, you know we want to be focused on building a, building the, the company and the product and not necessarily on all the headaches that come along um with I don't know 401ks and all everything else that's across other countries. So and that we are kind of at the moment we are looking to hire. So we're looking to hire head of operations and um, we're looking to bring in some more sales. Um, so I think we're experiencing those growing pains at the moment. Um, so yeah, we're we're haven't solved them just yet. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, those growing pains don't seem to go away. I, I suppose um, you know uh, I I had an opportunity to recently interview. Austin Allison, CEO of Picasso. Not sure uh, if you guys are familiar. It's a co-ownership platform, and you know mm-hmm. they've just ballooned in the last year to hundreds of employees with their their model. And that was something that uh, I don't. I I wish I would have pressed more on questions on that because it was just mind-boggling of how the systems and people and you know getting them in place and up to speed so quickly mm-hmm. uh, and attracting them. But I yeah. have read some of what he's talked about in the past of, you know, how they, they build culture. And so certainly one of the things is offering ownership and, you know, as part of that model, let's shift gears here a little bit and get into a little bit of, of, uh, you know, some of the, the sales and marketing, the owners and operators of vacation rentals obviously vary here, you know, manual, it might be a little easier for your company to leverage a ABM strategy or account-based marketing where, you can look up who you want to prospect and, and go after. Vince, I'm imagining for your customer profile, maybe slightly different in that not always so visible from a just kind of find them and give them a call. But I, I'd certainly love to, to get a little bit more information of, you know, how, how are you guys prospecting and then reaching your customers without just, you know, spending a ton because, you know, where Vince, you guys only recently raised uh, a good amount and then of, of course Emmanuel you guys being bootstrapped yeah um when we started back in I think we got my maybe the first 50 customers from just being constantly on Airbnb groups and uh adding like value at you know not just spamming up this thing but actually weighing in on questions and where I could give advice and then sneaking in up listing where it was relevant so really mm. uh not a very scalable solution um but got us off the ground really really like did, did prove this very well and like we're kind of at the point now where our members are in those groups referring up listings so it's kind of a bit of a um there's a lot of referrals going on referring referrals is a huge part of where we get um new members from 
Um, we do pretty well with Google ads, get a lot of members through there. We, on the referral scheme, like we, we kind of, we're quite lucrative. We pay our 30% recurring revenue to our referrees. Um, so we, we paid, wow. about, yeah, it's a lot, um, but we work, so we paid about $60,000 over the past couple of years. Through that, we work with a lot of kind of influencers, I guess, in the market, maybe coaches um, who, so we have a few members, for example, who might have a hundred properties and they use Uplisting to manage their properties, but they also uh, educate others how to start their business. Um, so we have members like that who have maybe referred 30, 40, 50 property manager, you know, growing businesses to uplisting um, at a time. And then we pay them for we, pay, we give them a referral mm -hmm. fee for that because mm -hmm. we're obviously very thankful to them for doing that. So we do things like we have private webinars with them. Um, we have private groups where we can answer their questions and um, they feel like because they because they have a group behind them, they can um, influence our roadmap a bit more. So we're building features that are more suitable to that kind of customer, um, which works really well. So those are, those are a few ways that we um, get our get our customers also finally sorry seo we do a lot of content a lot of content a lot of our inbound traffic is um organic uh, vince 30 percent is that of ongoing mrr 12 months 12 months wow yeah it's awesome yeah i know I, uh, I started to sign up for him as he was talking <laughs> 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 that's great it worked for us because we sorry we don't, we don't have a background in or we didn't really have a background in marketing and sales that's that's stuff we've learned as we've gone um gone along but uh that referrals game works really well so we're, we're not yeah no I, it sounds great to me um so we have different market segments we don't do any advertising at this point or traditional advertising other than we advertise on will slicker's hospitality podcast because uh, um, he was our first podcast ever that we've done and and a big deal came from it so we thought, hey, this is pretty good. Um, let's put some money behind that. But in terms of different market segments, resorts and hotels are bread and butter where we come from, putting them on new channels. Uh, that's all been trade shows. There's a lot of hospitality trade shows and they're fun. Hospitality people know how to have fun and how to host. That's the industry. So we go to these things and meet new people and they're usually 12 minute meetings. So it's like speed dating, very highly organized. And mm -hmm. you know, the sellers of inventory are looking for new buyers. We're buyers, even though we're a tech company. So we buy their inventory, quote unquote. So that, that's how we've grown that business. Single homeowners, which we don't really pursue much. We have a few, but it's, it's a bit heavy for us on an account management level. They find us. So we'll represent, let's say, a resort in Orlando and a, a new buyer of a condo unit will go on Airbnb to see who's the local property manager servicing this resort. And they see our logo on the listings. They don't know we're actually representing the resort. So they'll email us oh. and say, I'm looking at buying this thing. And you know, I don't like the fees of the resort. So either we onboard them or we say, sorry, we already work with the resort and we can't work with you. So there's a lot of that that happens just because we have 4,000 listings on Airbnb and Verbo. So there's a lot of just yeah. marketing that way. Realtors, which is our fastest growing segment, we are finding it's a whole different ball game. Lots of Facebook groups. Uh, we're using a tool called lead linker for LinkedIn automated outreach, which is fantastic. Uh, we just started with that. And then in, soon we're going to be launching webinars uh, and also just referral. We also have a referral program. And since you shared your numbers, Vince, I'll share mine. <laughs> so <clears throat> we'll share 10% of our commission forever, basically on every booking. And we pay it monthly to the part, to the person based on the stays because finances in hospitality bookings don't declare, get declared as financials until they've stayed because before that the guests can cancel. So every month we cut a check. And then after three years or two years, sorry, we can buy back the book of business. And that's 
that's protecting ourselves for an exit one day or liquidation of it. We can buy back the book of business for 3x the value of what we paid in the previous 12 months. So that's our referral pro program, and that works well. That gets people engaged, especially realtors, because they seem to live in a world of referral programs. Uh, we also have a growing segment, which is cleaners. You take a cleaning company that has relationships with asset owners, usually trusted because they're first in, first out after booking. You bolt on gesturing to their business, and now they're a full-blown property manager without having to do anything different in their business. Facebook groups, the same thing. And in this case, we're actually buying lists and, and, and doing direct marketing on that front. And then the final thing- You mean big... like paper? You're doing off, offline paper? Like no. postcards? No, 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 no. <laughs> We do direct, uh, no, sorry, direct email marketing. Sorry, my bad. Gotcha. Email marketing. No, but maybe we should try that. <laughs> Handwritten notes. I don't know. I was hoping, <laughs> I was hoping you found something. Yeah, you said it was working. Like, well, tell me more about that. That would be, you mm -hmm. know, I'd love to hear that. Yeah. That's the only thing left, I think. Yeah. <laughs> doing, everything, doing everything else. Yeah, we tried that for a while. We used to send, in early days, we'd send a postcard to every guest, and the postcard was a $50 voucher for their next booking with us. And I, I paid, even my girlfriend was involved at some point. She would write them at night. We paid it. Anyways, I think we got one ever booking from that. So that wasn't successful. <laughs> you got to try it though. You got to experiment. Yeah. And, uh, but a final, very quickly, final segment for us, which is the larger institutional investors of real estate slash real estate developers. You can't PPC them. So we're, we're going to events and conferences and, and seeking to make high level relationships. That's relationship work. Yeah. There's one more actually. Remember when Clubhouse was a thing, like a channel? I don't know if anybody yep. uses Clubhouse for about a month or so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I I was part of a few um, short-term rental focus. I don't know what Clubhouses. I don't even know what they're called anymore. I don't know. Uh, co literally got a thousand properties off um, of these few talks. Really? Yeah, mad. Look, our, our largest customers um, came from what what, what happened? We have one one of. These Are you on Twitter? No, one of these uh, one of these events on on Clubhouse, and it was a UK one. We have a few large customers in the UK. They all happened to be on this Clubhouse event, and they just spent the whole hour talking about how good Uplisting was, and then everybody else just came along from that. It was amazing. So more more of that. Wow, uh, Vince, you got to get in the, uh, the the Twitter communities now. Yeah. yeah. So the short term rentals community, I, I'm in. I'm in one. I can uh, I can invite you in on this one. Uh, I don't know anything about anything, obviously, here. So I'm just, I'm like in there as a lurker. There's like 130 some people. It's actually fairly active, but I see people doing the, the, the Twitter calls, which was basically what Clubhouse was. Yeah. Have you tried any of those to see if you could replicate that same? Not on not on Twitter. I don't think, um, I, I was, a few people that I'm friendly with in the industry were, were running these clubhouse events. Um, so once they jump on, oh, Twitter, I see. once they jump on Twitter, I'll, uh, I'll get involved, but I have, I've seen them. I haven't really been active on them. Um, but definitely invite me. I'll, I'll have a look for, for those who are, are listening here. One thing, Emmanuel, this is not a shot at you cause I could not find your Twitter. Um, but it's like, I don't have a Twitter. 50, yeah. I would say it's like 50% <laughs> of tech nest guests do not have a Twitter account. But there's one thing I have learned I'll share here, especially when having an opportunity to talk to your customer. There is no better channel to talk to people 10 times out of your league than, than Twitter and to lurk and learn and to engage. There are multiple fund managers yeah. who are you know operating portfolios in the billions that follow me on Twitter. And that I shouldn't for no reason, in my opinion. 
uh, and we've been able to engage and I get to learn things that are way above my pay grade. Uh, and it's just a, a phenomenal opportunity to connect to your customer. Every customer of any product is on Twitter and it's, it, it, and it's, it's immediate, but be warned. It can be, it can be time consuming. Um, well, I, I tried years ago. I mean, six, seven years ago, there was just so much junk and I guess I didn't know how to do it right. It was just so much just yeah. noise yeah. that I, I couldn't, Once you I start couldn't stand it. It'll but, get refined, but I have loads of lists. I just, I just jump onto my lists and uh, check out like yeah. STR Twitter or real estate Twitter, um, but definitely worthwhile, Emmanuel taking a look at it. Find me on Twitter. All right. If anyone listening to this, find me on I, Twitter and it's more, I will give you a shout out to a few people that are awesome to follow for general real estate, for prop tech, FinTech. There's a uh, list I curate called real estate data where it's people who just tweet nothing but real estate data of what's happening at a high level and, and it'll, it'll change your Twitter experience. I do promise that. I have been schooled. <laughs> I don't want to go down that one too far. We got a few more things we got to wrap up before we get to the bottom uh, end of the show here. Um, this is a, maybe a bigger question as well, but um, I found that there's a lot of, a lot to come from this and, you know, I'll ask you each individually as well. There's a lot of things you could be working on right now. Uh, there's a lot of problems uh, in uh, just about every aspect of real estate. Uh, Emmanuel, I'll start with you. Why is now the time for building Jetstream? Uh, <laughs> there is an increasing number of people from single homeowners all the way to large multifamily asset funds that that want to play in the short-term rental space. And it is becoming increasingly complex to do so. There is just even on the small independent hotel side, the ones that haven't flagged or branded Hilton and Marriott or whatever other flag, usually there's a lot of older baby boomer type owners and and the technology is just, and dynamic pricing and channel distribution is just like flying by and they don't, it's just, it's getting complex. So we're building a solution where we handle the complexity and we let the local boots on the ground partners do what they do best, which is delivering on-site hospitality, making the guests feel great, clean experience, servicing the asset. And we take all the tech and distribution and marketing and 24 seven guests come out. So it's a good time for us to be building what we're building because there's so much money and interest moving into the space to capture a slice of it. Vince, why is now the time to be building Uplisting? Yeah, uh, there's, there's a, a bit more down market, I guess. There's a lot of properties that are property managers entering into the market um, that eventually you know need software like uplisting to to run their business and so you know we're seeing huge growth from these new property managers as they're growing experiencing their growth pains um and you know the the, the numbers are there to see that uh it's the right time for uplisting to um to be there for them all right well we're going to move into my favorite segment of the show this is called for the future for the future is when I get to ask each guest who comes on the show to give their best predictions based on the following four questions. Vince Manuel, you guys ready to play? Yes. Let's go. All right. We'll go one at a time. Vince and Emmanuel. First one here is what does uplisting or Jetstream look like one year from now? 
one year from now um we're i guess we're kind of going through a bit of a, a growth stage we've kind of hit a pretty big milestone in terms of revenue um we are now at a point where we have well we've always had options but we've got some more options at the moment do we go down the route of like doing a series a raise 10 15 million or do we continue as we're going um, a little bit slower and uh, than, than, a, than a venture back VC firm or um, continue the way we're going and uh, build it more steadily, um, which is maybe the safer option. I don't know. Um, so one year from now, I actually really don't know. We're going to see in the next two, three months what happens. Um, we get a lot of interest from investors. Uh, there's something really appealing about the different challenge that that would involve, um, you know, hiring a lot of people and, and everything else. But there's also... Uh, a lot of downsides i think um so we're we don't know in terms of the business that is very up in the air right now but i, I can say we'll be uh you know more advanced than where we are now and we will have learned a lot over the past over the next 12 months great um we'll continue so we had 100 and something like 60 percent growth last year so i see in a year from now another 100 percent growth from where we are today and our thesis continues to play out thesis being there are new entrants to the space and they need help, uh, both the technology and the service side, and they're willing to outsource that to variable cost partners like ourselves, especially on the realtor side. So this is a new segment. No one's really offering what we're offering and turning a realtor into a full-blown property manager is pretty unique. So I would like to raise a little bit of capital from a strategic investor in that space, whether that's a large multi-franchise brokerage, realtor brokerage, uh, or even NAR itself, frankly, in their venture arm, National Association of Realtors, that is. So I think we're going to be there in 12 months from now for the strategic. So it's definitely value-aligned strategic partner because we don't really need the money, but we need the inventory. And a strategic partner can get us the inventory faster. Mm. So we're really in the early innings of that market segment with tremendous success so far. So in a year from now, if our thesis plays out right, we'll be going all guns blazing on that. And we need to still be having fun. <laughs> If we put ourselves in a position where it's no fun anymore, then uh, I think we've uh, we've missed the we took a wrong turn somewhere. Is it, I mean, you guys work in an industry where there should be a pull on site at all times, right? I feel like there's either a pool or there's a hot tub if you're working in this industry. There has to be a thing. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe. It, yeah, oh. sorry, don't want to take more time. <laughs> no, so you're all good. Good. Question number two here. And this is, uh, we didn't touch in on to this. I think actually maybe Emmanuel, you made a little bit earlier on. Will we see more, less, or will restrictions stay the same on vacation rentals? Why do you think so? Uh, I go first. It's a tricky one. Um, there's definitely regulations coming into play that, and um, I, I noticed a, a customer support ticket earlier on from a member who's uh, being regulated, I think in, in Canada somewhere, actually, maybe Toronto. Uh, but then again, on the other side, there's some jurisdictions that are maybe realizing how much taxes and, and everything else and the, the benefits to the uh, economy of having short-term rentals. So I don't know, probably there probably will be more. I'll go with that one. Yeah, I, yeah. same or more. I think in the near to midterm, more. I think we have such a shortage of affordable housing and inventory that allowing, mm. I use the word greedy, but just... <laughs> You know, allowing capital to make more capital for the sake of it, while not giving enough stock for proper inventory for the general just living population. I don't think that sits well politically in any way, shape or form. So I think we will continue seeing more regulation. Question number three, what's one industry trend you think will continue, but you wish would go away? 
Um, cool, good question. Maybe something like uh, all you know the the hidden fees potentially. Uh, like I, I see a lot of a lot of um, people giving out about the Airbnb hidden cleaning fee and um, service fee and everything else, which it doesn't need to be the case. Look, we're not smiling because it's not true. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't need to be the case. And I think um, you know with Airbnb's new newer host fee, the fifteen percent fee outside of the US and North America, you know in Europe you have to if you're connected to software like Uplisting, mm. that's the fee you're on. Um, I think I hope they're moving um, more towards having a better, a more transparent pricing for for guests because I think it's unnecessary to to hide those fees and in, in search results and then get a surprise before you pay. Doesn't doesn't help anybody. Yeah, I agree. That's definitely a problem. Uh, labor shortages, unfortunately, and it's not specific to our industry, but it has a huge impact, especially in hospitality right now. I think we got hit more than anybody else because people lost their jobs in COVID and found other jobs, basically. And now things are going back guns all, you know, it's the recovery, hospitality is back, and there's not enough staff. And while that's helpful on one end for us, because we are an outsourced solution, so theoretically this is helpful, and it is, there's two, there's a flip side to that. And the flip side is sometimes the teams that are left are so small, they don't even have the time to implement our solution. So that's one problem. Or just even on the cleaning and maintenance mm -hmm. side, there's not enough teams. So we've had a lot of partners in the last two years that can't open all of their inventory at peak season because there's just not enough people to clean the rooms. Now, I can't say that... Um it's necessarily a peak season in March driving through central Minnesota. But recently I, it was March and I was driving through central Minnesota and we, uh, I, I needed to stay somewhere for the night and pulled over and went to a hotel and they said, sorry, um, we don't have enough staff, so we can't open the rooms. They had half the hotel unopened because they literally just did, they couldn't hire the staff. Yeah. And it was in a town that's like, where the, there are no other jobs like, i assume you'd be someone yeah. would be here but i mm -hmm. i agree i really do hope that that uh, that trend fades away sooner than not last one here what's one thing you believe will dramatically change or fade away in real estate as a result of tech advances uh emmanuel didn't go first that one <laughs> have a think for a minute sure I mean, a simple one would be uh, the the key cards to enter a room. You know, you go to the front desk and you punch the card and you got to remember to leave, bring it with you. I hate that thing. But maybe a more obscure one uh, that's of interest because we're deep in that space is the is the end of rep level merchandising, which is a hotel or a condo hotel has, let's say, 300 rooms or 100 rooms, but three room types. When you book on any channel, you book a two bedroom but you don't know which two bedroom you're gonna get. Are you on the first floor, are you on the top floor, are you looking at the beautiful view, or are you on the back looking at the parking lot and the dumpster? That we're seeing our partners now because they've had so many guest complaints. And this is how the industry has been forever because the technology didn't support different. But now the tech is starting to evolve to support the individual keys, which means you, we as consumers and guests, we actually book what, we wanna see what we booked. We wanna be exactly in what we booked. And that brings opportunity around paying more. I want, I'll pay 20 bucks more to get specifically that room that it's in the end of the hall, not close to the elevator and looking at the nice view. And we're seeing this in airlines. If you've booked an airline ticket recently, it's really getting to a point where it's pay to get a seat or else you're sitting in the island by the bathroom in the back. So the tech is, is improving to allow this. And I think that's gonna slowly go away and we're gonna be booking what we get. Interesting. Um, okay, I, I was going to say the um, 
opportunity is at least in the short-term rental space from a property management perspective or um, from a, from a host. Uh, there's there's ways to generate more revenue from from your business. So it's not just about the accommodation of the night. I think technology makes it uh, and will make it much easier to provide um, upsells like. Uh, not dissimilar to you know picking the room early check-in late check-out um automate automate that based on um if there's a booking staying the next day or if if there's not or the the, pre, the the night before you arrive um there's some there's a lot of really smart things you can do like extending a stay uh that you can just have an automate through a software like up this thing um, that's one thing that we'd like to provide uh, so yeah so increasing revenue automatically i guess is uh, something technology can can offer very cool all right, last three fellas. These are so our listeners get to know you better. First one here is what are you reading? Right now, I'm reading a um, a book called How to Sell Your Business <laughs> because it, we're kind of at the point where we have I don't know we get a, we get a few acquisition offers quite um, the, the inboxes they're not that they're coming in, um, so I wanted to just make sure that I know what I'm talking about um, before uh, it goes down that route. So that's that's what I'm reading at the moment. Good for you, Vince. That's exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exciting and terrifying. Options. Always be better to have options. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Weigh it all up. I just finished reading No Rules Rules, the Netflix book, and it's absolutely fantastic. It's, it's really how to create a culture for a creative company. Not that we're totally a creative company like Netflix or anything like that, but it's definitely how to create a culture that allows you to scale and maintain and push ownership and decision-making down the organization. Mm. it's i've bought it for everybody in the company everybody's reading it and we're gonna have a huge discussion about it in about three four weeks uh, not because i want to copy paste it but i want us to have a common language around some of the things that i think are really good about the book nice yeah very cool idea question number two who are you learning from Oof, who am i learning from um gee, everybody I interact with like cheesy cheesy answer but um uh, i mean I, I i live in new york um i've been here four or five years um i have a lot of friends who do very well in their respective careers or in their you know whatever industry they're in and i, I constantly even if i'm playing we're in a softball league together i go play softball on a saturday um even just just interacting with people um that are doing really well that are, that are go-getters that are who i want to be hanging out with um i think that's that for me personally is where i would uh it's tangible stuff you know i'm like they they i can do that because they're they can do that um i think that that's somewhere where i get a lot of um learn, learnings from yeah i agree uh, clients a lot of learnings learning about their business and how to build the product our team because yeah. obviously we have experts in different mm -hmm. fields in our team which are experts in areas i'm definitely not uh, my business partner the founder's company mike he's uh, had a successful fairly large exit before in his career so he's definitely a mentor of mine uh and podcasts Every time I listen to a podcast, I feel like calling the person, and just being like, "Hey, we need to be friends," or "I can you be? Can you mentor me?" <laughs> There's so much good learning going on in podcasts. So, yeah. Can I just say, as a podcast host, that anytime I get a, a a message that someone says that was a great episode, is like everything I needed to be like, okay, cool. So I, maybe I should just quit. Yeah. Really? So, okay. <laughs> so tell, tell everyone, uh, any host that, um, it, I don't care how big they are. I, I bet it, it just never gets old. Okay. For sure. We'll do. Last one here. What inspires you? Uh, what inspires me? Um, like what I'm working towards is a comfortable, a comfortable life for me and my family. I got two young, I got a two and a half year old, one year old, 
Um, like I'm just inspired to hopefully build a relatively successful business that um, means that we have some level of comfort um, and you know we can spend time with our families enjoy some experiences um, and of course my wife inspires me a lot she's um, she's a journalist she, she does a lot of investigative journalism um, sees some crazy stuff um, so definitely look at her for inspiration I don't have children so I have to inspire outwards but good for you Vince uh, I, if I get the chance of having children, I'm sure I'm going to be feeling the exact same way you are. Uh, right now, genuinely, what inspires me is lifting people up uh, in their careers or economically. There's a big part of what we do. I mean, when we partner with a cleaning company, mm. usually minority-owned, women-owned, usually, um, oftentimes anyways, we get to move them out of a layer of just a, I do a clean, I get $100.00 to I still get the clean and get the hundred dollars but I also now make a percentage of a booking which is kind of going up the economic stratum uh, and same when we have young staff in our team and all of a sudden they start at the bottom of the team and next thing you know they're, they're getting a new title and a new title and, and I know the trajectory this is putting them on I think that's the greatest inspiration of growing a business of course we want to make money in business and maybe next it and all these things but the day-to-day -day, that's the inspiring stuff and also the courage in the face of crazy odds. And I like President Zelensky at the early days of this whole war, I was like, this guy is so screwed. And he just stood up and, and inspired mm. the whole world. So that's inspiration as well. Yeah, I appreciate that perspective. Yeah. Fellas, th this has been a, a really enjoyable conversation for me. Uh, I hope it was as well for you. I think that we covered a ton of ground, you know, the vacation rental, short term rental leisure rental i don't i don't know if there is one real title it all is blurring together and i think that this conversation really highlighted that we are still very early in building for this industry the experiences that consumers are looking for or maybe don't even know what they're looking for yet um before we go i want to give our listeners an opportunity if they want to connect with you learn more about your companies where do they go? How do they do that? Manuel, I'll have you kick off first and we'll close out with Vince. Sure. So our website is jetstreamtech.io. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Emmanuel Lavoie. And my email is Emmanuel, E-M-M-A-N-U-E-L, at jetstreamtech.io. And final shameless plug, we are definitely seeking strategic partners, uh, whether that is on the real estate brokerage side or on the asset ownership side. Would love to chat. Thank you, Nate, for having me on the show. Uh, Uplisting website is www.uplisting.io. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Breslin, my surname, B-R-E-S-L-I-N. Um, best place to reach me is on Twitter. Uh, and we're looking for to work with any you know, growing property managers who are looking for a software partner that can solve a lot of their pain points and, and, and grow and you know work together over a long term. And thank you, Nate, for having us on. Much appreciated. Yeah, you bet, guys. This is great. Vince, I'm going to see you on Twitter. Emmanuel, I am crossing my fingers, man. You're going to join <laughs> Twitter with the rest of us. I hope to see you there. Uh, and we'll, we'll be catching you guys later. Thanks. Thanks, folks. Well, thanks for listening to the Tech Nest Podcast. You can always get future episodes delivered to you directly by subscribing to the podcast in your favorite app store. You can also join the newsletter, head over to technest.io 
or finledger.com slash newsletters to get all future episodes, updates, and more sent to you right into your inbox. Last but not least, we appreciate your support. Please go ahead and give us a rating and review in your app store. This helps others discover the podcast and know that it's a great, worthy listen. We'll see you next week.